Hey everybody, welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week we pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. You guys, I said we were going to get emails, <laughs> and we got emails. Oh, I don't know what I've done. Well, I do know what I've done. I've I've opened a real can of worms. <laughs> well, it was funny. This last Sunday dinner, we were talking about the podcast, and Dad also would not let it go. He's like, well, is this a Christmas movie? Well, is this a Christmas oh, movie? And no. I said, I don't know. Ask Aaron. I think they're all Christmas Uh-oh. movies. Listen. <laughs> I tried to. I said it once or twice after I brought up my first controversy. Yes. Everyone can believe what they want. You do you. So, well, let's, I'm going to jump in. Let's read, read some of these emails. We got three emails, and and they're they're fairly lengthy. So I'm going to I'm going to just jump right in <laughs> on them. Our first one is from, of course, our good friend slash brother in law slash husband for Shannon Alex, <laughs> and it's titled "I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed." <laughs> <laughs> says, hey, hey, favorite show hosts. I totally joke about being disappointed. I am not writing an angry email. This is just to convert you to my way of thinking of Die Hard as a Christmas movie. He says, there's a difference between a movie that happens at Christmas and a Christmas movie. If you have a movie that happens at Christmas and you could replace Christmas with any other holiday or even Timmy's birthday and the plot would still work, a Christmas movie is that a plot is based on it being Christmas and any change would be unbelievable. Die Hard is a Christmas movie because in order for there to be that many people corporate heads, employees, etc., in the office building after hours, it would have to be a holiday party. The only one that seems to make sense to American audiences would be a Christmas party, especially in the 80s. Those people being there is central to the plot of Die Hard, so that makes it a Christmas movie. Also, the film opposes capitalistic greed as McLean fights against Groover's thieves, <laughs> uh, thieving greed in order to spend the holiday with his family. Last point, now I have a machine gun. Happy birthday, Timmy. Doesn't sound as good in Alan Rickman's voice. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> oh, what an excellent email. Wow. In, in, in the end, I respect your opinion. We are all unique in whatever you think a Christmas movie is, is true for you. I just like to spread my opinion. Thanks and happy holidays, Alex. Alex, I can respect that. Even if we don't necessarily agree, it has not changed my opinion, but that doesn't matter because you've made a valid argument and that's fair. So <laughs> thanks for sharing, Alex. I appreciate it. <laughs> Our next email we got is from Tom. Good to hear from you again. Hey, I, I, I love that we have these ongoing emails. This is great. Uh, he says, hi, guys. Hope all is well with you. Enjoyed the Christmas movies podcast and the history behind some of the shows mentioned. I find behind the scenes information very fascinating to see or hear the processes used to create a show or movie. Unfortunately, you also end up sometimes finding out some not so fun information about the cast or the production, like Peter Robbins arrest as an adult. Uh, if that name doesn't ring a bell, it's the voice of Charlie Brown oh, from no. from uh, the the Christmas special and and the Great Pumpkin. He, he was he was the first person to voice Charlie Brown when he was I forget if it was eight or nine, and he did it through when he was like thirteen. Anyway, he got into some trouble. I'm not going to go into it, but he did actually go to prison for a couple years, and he's out now. And I don't know anything else about it, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's I mean, if you're cool. bored and, and he's like your cellmate, you could be like, hey, hey, say this line hey, for me. The, you know? Do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, just boy. kidding. Too, too soon. <laughs> uh, he says, you mentioned some of my favorites like Klaus, an exceptionally well-done movie. The production of this movie is interesting in how they colored and shaded the drawings uh, using new technology that gave it a 3D look. 
uh, and he actually sent me uh, or he sent us a, a YouTube link. I'll forward it to you guys so you can see it. It is really cool because like we talked about it being a traditionally animated hand-drawn animation, but it really does have this kind of interesting hybrid look to it. It was really, anyway, it's really cool. He says, other favorites of mine are Arthur Christmas, Polar Express, Christmas Vacation, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. He says, Jim Carrey version is the best in his opinion. Merry Christmas to you all and all the best for a great new year, Tom. Tom, thanks for writing in. I, I, like I said, I love hearing from you and uh, hearing your opinion. And yeah, this, this stuff's interesting, even if it's like, oh, bummer, Charlie Brown went to prison. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's still interesting. I, I like learning about all this stuff. It was all those rocks he was given on Halloween. I know. <laughs> he snapped. It messed him up. He can only get bullied for so long. That is interesting that he brought up the Grinch who stole Christmas. I find people are, fall pretty strongly in one of two camps where they either love the the short animated you're a mean one, you know, and or Jim Carrey's. It's pretty it's pretty interesting. And I always thought my way was right. And then I started meeting other people and I was like, oh, interesting. So that's uh, I, I've met several other people who, who as well think uh very, very highly of the Jim Carrey version. So I'll have to go back in and watch it. Our last email was from Catherine. Catherine, always good to hear from you. We actually uh, were hanging out with uh, Catherine and Robert just the other day. We went to see some Christmas lights at the Descansa Gardens and it was great. So anyway, hey, Catherine, she says, hi, favorite podcast team. This is going to be a long email. I thoroughly enjoyed your episode about favorite Christmas movies and specials. My favorite Christmas movies would probably be Home Alone and Home Alone 2. I saw both of these movies when they came out in the theater, and they've been a part of my life ever since. I love the story, the actors, all the little touches that are in both movies that just make it so memorable and fun to watch over and over. We even bought this year a Lego version of the house from the first Home Alone. And I believe it was Sean who was talking about the music in these movies. When I was in high school, our choir got to perform a concert with our local city orchestra, and we performed the music of Home Alone. That's, That's really cool. The music awesome. is great in that movie. And yeah, I've seen that that Lego set. It looks amazing. Uh, she says, then uh, I have Christmas movies that I've discovered in the last decade or so that have become seasonal favorites. Uh, one that I'd never seen before I met my husband is Christmas Vacation. It stars Chevy, uh, Chevy Chase. Chevy. Chevy Chase. Okay. Yeah. That shows how well I know his work. Anyway, it stars <laughs> Chevy Chase, and it's about the struggles and stresses of dealing with family, jobs, the holiday season. It's fun and ridiculous and always a good time. Another movie I love is 1945's Christmas in Connecticut. It stars Barbara Stanwyck. I think that's how you say that name. There's a Y in there and it threw me off. Uh, Stars Barbara Stanwyck about a woman who is a food writer and makes up a perfect life and family. Her boss and a World War II war hero invite themselves over to her house for Christmas dinner and hilarity ensues as she tries to live up to this perfect life she's created for her magazine articles. Another fun movie I only discovered in the last couple years is 1947's It Happened on Fifth Avenue. When a wealthy New Yorker moves south for the winter, a couple of lovable homeless men move in to his house. When the wealthy man's daughter returns home unexpectedly from school, she plays along and helps her father realize he needs to be more generous with his money. And I needed to add a postscript about Sean's information on It's a Wonderful Life and the information about the copyright of the film. I'm a huge fan of Riff Tracks. It's a few of the guys from the Mystery Science Theater 3000, and they goof on popular and not-so-popular movies. They have a riff on It's a Wonderful Life, and because of copyright issue, for some reason, they're able to show most of the movie, but not the part where George sees how his life would have been if he didn't exist. So it's a very dramatic cut from when George is about to jump off the bridge, and the next thing you see is him running through the town being grateful for what he has. Absolutely (laughs) hilarious. I have got to watch that. That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yes, I'm sure that would be (laughs) dramatic. Oh, jeez. 
she says, she says, and Aaron, I also have a Rift Tracks version of the Star Wars Christmas special. It almost Uh-oh. makes the film watchable. Almost, I think, is the operative word there. Almost. <laughs> I says, hope you all have a fantastic holiday. Thank you for making 2021 a little bit brighter with your podcast, Catherine. I'm so glad that we were able to make it a little brighter for you, and thank you so much for writing in. Uh, that's that's good stuff. I, there's some movies there I haven't heard of. I got to check them out. The Rift Tracks. <laughs> I just can't stop thinking. About it. <laughs> oh yes, thank you, Catherine. Oh boy, that's so good. I love it. <laughs> well, I think that covers it for updates and whatnot. So we can jump on to our topic for this week, which is pseudo uh, sticking with our Christmas theme, which is our favorite childhood toys. As I was doing some research for this, there there were some of these that were Christmas gifts and, and some that were not. But, uh, you know, it seemed Christmassy enough. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going first. Shannon, you, you kicking it off this time? Sure, yeah. Sweet. All right. So, I was, it was funny. I was kind of having a hard time coming up with stuff because I was trying to think of stuff as toys from when I was a kid. Because I had a really easy time coming up with, like... Stuff I really enjoyed as a teenager, because like I was thinking about, you know, some of my favorite Christmas gifts that I got. Um, Our family are really big into Apple from like the beginning, I feel like. And so I remember getting my first iPod and how cool that was and how much I loved it. And like, you know, it became a regular to get an iTunes card for Christmas after that to Mm -hmm. download all the latest songs. And, like, same thing with video game systems. I feel like we were always pretty into whatever Nintendo was putting out. And I have really fond memories of playing the Super Nintendo. And I remember when the Nintendo 64 came out. And I I forgot to even look up how young I was at the time. But I remember getting in trouble a handful of times because I would get mad that I'd lose at Super Smash Bros. and I'd throw the controller and everybody was like, you can't play anymore. You can't do that. (laughs) You're going to break them. Especially those Nintendo 64 controllers. Those things were funky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but thinking back to some favorite gifts I got and, yeah, favorite, I guess, toys. I would consider the video game systems toys. I loved my Game Boy. I had a hot pink Game Boy color. Nice. And I had Pokemon Yellow was my Pokemon game. I'm nice. Still Team Instinct on Pokemon Go. Same for here. Who cares? Same here. <laughs> I, I was I was also Pokemon Yellow and Team Instinct all the way. Yes. <laughs> and then yeah, I mean, I never really personally got any games for like the Nintendo 64 or really even for the GameCube. But I do remember for the Wii, that was the first game system that I was really gifted games, like uh, Mario Kart. I guess that's not true. Going back to the GameCube, um, I remember I was given Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix, which was one of my favorite games as a kid. That was so good. To dance off against Bowser and stuff. Yes. (laughs) Well, and it was such a silly DDR because it wasn't... You know, the J-pop whatever songs. It was like remixes of classic Nintendo songs. <laughs> and yeah, Mario and Luigi are like breakdancing on the screen, competing against, yeah, Bowser or Wario or whoever. I forgot all about that game. That was so good. Oh, it was so <laughs> That was good. our first DDR because we never had PlayStations growing up. It was always Nintendo. Yeah. And yeah, so that was the first one we had. Yeah. <laughs> Do they Ugh. still make any Dance Dance Revolution games or are those just at arcades now? 
You know, I don't know. We went to the local arcade a couple of years ago, and they had a DDR, and it was hard. Yeah, there. Those are like those I feel like tough. I was so good as a kid. There are dancing games now, but they're like Just Dance and things like that, where they use yeah. like motion yeah. controllers and things. I don't. I haven't seen the 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 Instead of stomping the down as yeah. quick as you can. Yeah, on <laughs> yeah. These, you know, whatever it is. I, was it just up, down, left, and right, or was yeah. there like diagonal too? I can't remember. No, it's just the four directions. Yeah. And like, I remember no. we were on like the really hard ones. We wanted to see if we could do it, so we all like split up and like knelt on the floor. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you have the top one, and I have the left one, and you have the right one. And uh. <laughs> I will say, I did love that when people. I, I I don't know. I mean, w- whenever people are really concentrating on something, they, you know, they have their different, some people stick out their tongue, some people, <laughs> you know, tap their foot or whatever. It was always fun watching somebody play those dancing games because they were in this concentrated mood and and their whole body was absorbed into it. And so some people were very much like their top part of their body didn't really move and their legs were just going crazy. And then I had one friend who always looked like he was going to fall over, but like would stay <laughs> up. I, I don't know. And so anyway, that's just a fun one to, to I, I was never any good at it, but always fun to watch other others play. Yeah. That was always fun with the group. Oh, I loved that one. And I feel like, I mean, not totally related, but like my next music game up was rock band for the Wii. Mm. And that was one that, yeah, I feel like was one of the first that was like really my game. Like people would start gifting me all the different versions because there was rock band one, two, three, the Beatles and like the track pack expansions and whatever. And so I have legitimately, I think like six versions of rock band and I still have them all. And like, I think Sean, you gave me a drum set at some point. And yeah, That was one of my very favorites to get together with friends and play that. And I feel like we kind of got known as like the cool basement of, oh, yeah, let's go over to the Sutherlands and we'll play rock band. And they've got all the video games over there. It's true. Yeah. Our our basement was the place to be. But yeah, other than those video games, I was trying to think back of like younger, younger and my favorite toys from when I was really little. And I like what came most to mind to me was my American Girl doll, Kit. Um, Kristen and I both had our dolls, and, you know, they had all the different books that came with them and all of the different outfits that matched the book. Like, she had her Christmas outfit, or in one book she ran away from home, and so she had, like, her hobo outfit. And, I mean, the American Girl series, they're really cool books because they are historical fiction and they talk about really hard topics because my character um, was from the Great Depression, and so they talked about, well, sorry, guys, your dad lost his job, so we have to rent out our house. And we're seeing all these homeless people who are much worse off than we are. And it was it was a really cool book series to read. And, like, I didn't realize the kind of topics it was really talking about until I got a little older. But the doll itself I just loved. And, you know, they were kind of expensive outfits, so we'd really only get, like, one outfit like her Christmas or something. It wasn't something that we just had all the time, but that was one of my favorites as a kid. I definitely did not realize that they delved into topics like that. And that I like, I knew they were based on historical stuff. Like they all had their different eras and whatever, but you know, I'm sure that was just like typical big brother, like, Oh, you're playing with your dolls, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like I, I don't think I really appreciated like, Oh, they actually like have some like 
serious topics like and, and they're like yeah. educational and 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 yeah that that's pretty cool and especially in retrospect it's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sorry if i ever made fun of you for playing not with your... that i ever knew of okay good <laughs> but yeah in the back of the books it actually would have a whole section of like here's an actual news article and here's some historical artifacts and photographs and things to go with it um, and Kristen's doll, and she's going to text us and correct me, but she um, was a pioneer, I think. She was an immigrant from Sweden. And I'm not going to say anymore because I'm, I'm sorry, Kristen. I don't know your doll very well. <laughs> but they were all, yeah, very cool stories um, to go with them. And there's a whole lot now that I I haven't followed them. I haven't kept up with American Girl, but they've got lots of cool new ones, too. The other toy that I feel like Kristen and I were both very obsessed with were Beanie Babies. We were definitely those 90s Beanie Baby kids. Don't cut the tags off. You got to keep them in pristine condition. (laughs) And yeah, we loved our Beanie Babies. And I had, you know, a few favorites that mom and dad still have them there. And, you know, like Sean's little girl will play with them from time to time when they go over. And my most favorite one, I looked her up. Her name is Spunky, and she was from 1997, and she is like a little Cocker Spaniel dog. And I was just, like, I was Googling because I was curious of what year she was. And, you know, you can buy her on Etsy for, like, four bucks. But I did see, just from Googling it, like, there's some rare one that's $2,000, another one that's, like, 900 another one that's 1500 wow. Wow. So I'm like, I don't know what the difference is between those ones that are so expensive and then like the next one over that's 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. Oh, well. That one was my favorite. Yeah, we have a lot of those. Yeah, no, we did have a ton. And it was that like I always got a cat and Kristen always got a dog. And then we kind of branched out and we got lots of other ones. And I know Kristen at some point grabbed some from mom and dad's house and took them home with her. And I assume her kids play with them. We loved those. Um, And the last one I was going to say is I have a very vivid memory of back when there was a Fred Meyer over by our house. And we were going shopping there for something. I don't have any idea what. But they had this stuffed dog on the shelf. And it was huge. It was bigger than me. And I just wanted it so bad. And it looked just like the dog in Old Yeller. And I don't know why I loved sad movies as a kid. Because the fox and the hound, Old Yeller, they were like my favorites. And so I desperately wanted this dog. And it's like laying sideways so it's like a pillow. And like I begged and pleaded for it. My mom was like, I don't know. We'll just have to see. And then Santa brought it for me that year. And it was a Christmas miracle. Yay. That's awesome. And it's still over at mom and dad's. And yeah, I know all the all their grandkids like to lay on it and sleep with it and whatever. But that was that was one of my very favorites as a kid. That's awesome. That's so funny. I know exactly which one you're talking about yeah. based on the way you described it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> anyway, I think that is pretty much it for me. It was funny thinking through that. Yeah, I was like, well, I love stuffed animals and I loved video games yeah. eventually. There you go. <laughs> so it was interesting going through because... To your point, Shannon, I feel like a lot of the kids' toys that I played with, I don't really remember that well. And then there's a period of time that I remember where they were still definitely toys. And then there's like the period of time when, 
you started wanting cool things that weren't considered toys. And so for a lot of mine, I found that they they ranged between like when I was 11 and 15 years old were a lot of the things that came to mind. And then I actually, it was funny, I called mom to ask her. And she's like, oh, yeah, Aaron called me, too. He was asking about <laughs> something. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, it was, I was, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear um, where, you know, Aaron, Aaron of the three of us is the oldest. I'm in, I'm in the middle. And then Shannon being the youngest. So maybe, maybe all Bridget will go, you know, going youngest <laughs> to oldest. Yeah. Here. <laughs> but the main one that mom talked about for me being pretty young and I, I don't know exactly how young Pretty Young is, but it has to do with like um, Nerf guns and like bow and arrow with the uh, with the like suction cup on the end and, and stuff like that. And maybe the reason that those come up is just because there's a story that went around in our family for years <laughs> about how like... <laughs> We both know exactly what you're about to say. <laughs> well, as soon as you said yes. bow and arrow with the, with the suction cup, I was trying to not laugh. Okay, I'll let uh, you tell so, it. Sorry. So I don't even know how old I am. I probably should have gotten mom to tell me the exact story. But uh, but one of my dad's friends was over, somebody who who didn't live nearby, you know, would only come every so often. He was there, and apparently he and my dad were in the living room talking, and at that point in our living room, most of one of the walls was glass. It was like a sliding door and windows just facing into the backyard. And apparently I just popped around the corner, shot an arrow real quick, and it boom, it landed like a couple inches right above my dad's friend's <laughs> head, right there on the glass. And like they didn't even know what to expect because it just came out of nowhere. So And cartoonishly, like it just like it was right next to his head and stuck under the glass. It was just like they're bouncing. <laughs> So anyway, you I guess you could not yes. have been very old because I was not very old. I remember it though. I have only heard this story. I definitely have no memory. See, and I'm young enough. I don't think I even really remember it. I remember the toys, but I don't remember the specific instance. So I don't know if that means in my little kid brain, this was just business as usual. You know, it was like yeah. just pop around the corner, you know, shoot off a little arrow and run. You know, like that's what you do with a bow and arrow. You shoot, yeah. right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, so that one's fun. Even like early in my um, married life, my wife and I each got each other a Nerf gun. Like I think the first year we were married. And so anyway, so maybe I still haven't grown up because I still have a couple Nerf guns around. Um, it was funny reading the Wikipedia article, though, because I just think of it as like these fun little trajectories or whatever. But it, it described them as like styrofoam weaponry. <laughs> They take themselves so, very seriously. Anyway, yes. <laughs> well, hey, it's nerf or nothing, right? Nerf, yeah, there you go. <laughs> they pulled in, you know, if you don't if you don't recognize that, uh, you're a different age demographic than, than us. So, yeah. <laughs> we we date ourselves every episode. <laughs> yeah, is anybody going to talk about pogs? I almost <laughs> put that on my list. Mom I did actually bring did. that up, but that was that was one of those things that put that's like in a category with like yo-yo or something too. Yo-yos were really big for a year, pogs were big for a year. Trying to remember what else. Anyway, I actually think I the pogs are still over at our parents' house. So maybe I'll have to find them and take a picture. The next one that came to mind actually um, was a trampoline. And I wish I could describe it better, but I don't really know the dimensions of it. It was like just a circular trampoline. 
And the reason for that, I, I got one for, for Christmas, I think when I was 15 years old, but one of my best friends at that time and years before had a trampoline and both of his parents worked. And in the summer when his parents were at work, the rule was that he couldn't go play at somebody else's house. And then if we went and played at his house, we had to play outside. So basically we would, we would go to his house on a summer's day and just like hang out in his yard the entire day. And what most of that included was trampoline time. There was also some time spent climbing on the roof, the tree, and oh, what else? I don't know. Just like getting into to random trouble, I guess, because there's only so many things you can was do. This? Yes, we jumped off his roof onto the trampoline, <laughs> and I had you jump off the roof onto his trampoline, and we were so <laughs> sneaky and carried it over so there wouldn't be no scrape marks, and then... And then one of the neighbors drove by and they told his stepmom and they were Aww. like, oh, yeah, we saw so-and-so jumping off the roof. That looks like fun. And Whoa. then like steam started coming out of her ears, you know, and <laughs> oh, she turned geez. like this dark shade of purple. Well, so. and I couldn't have been very big was the thing. Oh, yeah, we had to like help you get onto the roof. You were small enough and then like <laughs> had you jump off. So probably not the safest thing, but. We're all alive. It's fine. We all, we, we made it somehow. <laughs> I did. So looking at the background, not, I, I don't know, I was going to try to share something else besides my own stories but i guess uh earlier on they would throw people on on blankets like especially in alaska on like these walrus skins everybody it's like hey everybody grab a piece and they chuck people right so i mean it's got to be safer than that i mean i haven't looked up the stats (laughs) but it's got to be a little safer right um but yeah i had summers spent there and so when i finally got my own that was a lot of fun um, and yes, I did get hurt, but I never, I never did anything worse than rip a little cartilage between my ribs. So we're all <laughs> we're good. Uh, the next, yeah, is, is, is video games. So the first game that comes to mind following what Shannon said is Pokemon, but specifically Pokemon Red, which, which came out in 1998 and was released alongside Pokemon Blue, which I don't think I realized until like recent years. I thought they were basically the same game and they are basically the same game other than there are certain Pokemon you could only get in one or the other to encourage you to trade if you're going to, if you got to catch them all, you know? Of course, these were back in the days where you actually had to like plug the two Game Boys into mm-hmm. each other with a cable to That's right. be able to do that. So, you know. And I was going to mention as well, even Shannon mentioned the Game Boy Color. So that... For those of you who aren't familiar with the Game Boy, it means there was a Game Boy without color before that, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And both the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color did not have any uh, light that they had emitted. So you actually had to like play by the window or have a light on, or I'm going to send a screenshot here to you two. um, Maybe we can post it as well. Of the kinds of contraptions that, that people would buy to be able to play in the dark. And so... They kind of looked like these weird, like science experiments or things. Like it was almost like a magnifying glass that folded over the front of this thing. Yep, I remember you these. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. the original Game Boy, uh, I mean, it was kind of a green background as well. So you were playing on like this black and green screen, and I don't even know what the resolution was. It couldn't have been good. <laughs> couldn't have been good, but it, it was, was pretty it was pixely. Great. But they were, yeah, those were amazing. I do remember, yeah, like if we were playing a Game Boy on like. Like if we were driving down to visit Papa and Grandma or something that like if it was getting dark, like you were like trying to hurry and finish your game while you could still see because the That's sun was exactly going right. down and soon you weren't able you to see the screen yeah. anymore. 
Because <laughs> we couldn't turn on the light in the car because dad would be like, hey, it's distracting while I'm driving, right? So yeah, you're up right by the window yep, with your Game yeah. Boy. This is this is our generation's version of, we t- we walked up the hill both ways in the snow to school. <laughs> <Yeah, that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> My games were not backlit. No, yeah. do you remember the spiral light contraption? That's what I, a picture I just sent you guys. I remember that. That's right, in. yeah. You'd plug it in so it'd be powered by the Game Boy. Is that right? And then... Yeah. 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 Of course, that would kill your batteries real fast, but at least you could see. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and so there were different versions of the Game Boy. There was like a smaller Game Boy. There was the Game Boy Color. And and none of those actually were backlit. In fact, they switched over to the Game Boy Advance, which, which could play Game Boy games and this new cartridge. And even the original Game Boy Advance was not backlit. It had like these additional colors and stuff. It wasn't until an enhanced version. I think it might've been the Game Boy Advance SP that folded in half. I think may have been the first one. I had an SP. That that then had a light. And in fact, they weren't even sure if people would want to play it all the time. So you could actually toggle the light entirely off on it. It wasn't like huh. a screen where you could, where you had to have it on all the time, you know, like your laptop or something. That's funny. Wow. And I didn't so, I didn't keep up on the Game Boys as much after after the original. I know, yeah, Sean, you had a couple of Game Boys and Shannon you did too, but I didn't keep up on the Game Boys. In fact, I didn't have another portable system until we got our Switch. So <laughs> there was a big gap. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, they kept going. So then they had the the dual screen, the Nintendo DS, and then there was the DS or excuse me, the 3DS and 2DS, which actually are a slightly different form factor, and you That's can still buy. That's what DS stands for. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel dumb. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. No, you're I, good. But yes, I got I had, caught up on that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had a lot of these. I, you know, there were some fads that came through. Like we didn't get into it, but I don't know if you remember, but like Game Boy Advance, they had those cartridges where you could actually buy them with TV shows on them. Oh. So you could get like a SpongeBob cartridge, you know, or something like that. So what a time. What a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> what a time. And yes, this all started with Aaron saying, yes, you had to plug two cables in together. But yep. but yeah. they had crazy accessories, man. Like there was like a card scanner or something like that where you could swipe cards on them and there were being able to connect them to the GameCube and there you remember were the Game Boy printer? That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, there was even a digital camera, I think, uh-huh. you could get. Yeah. I don't think you could tell what you took a picture of, like, but <laughs> it had a camera. Anyway. Oh, geez. All kinds of stuff, right? You Amazing. kids with your smartphones and your <laughs> games and your camera. Oh, man. <laughs> but anyway, Pokemon Red, that that was a, a fan, fantastic game. It was one of the first times in my childhood as well that I enjoyed reading. There's a lot of reading in that game. And I still remember that was one of the things that I played it a lot. And I read everything, too, because you had to read to know what was going on, where to go next how to understand how Pokemon did against one another. Yeah. Which actually led to me actually after that enjoying a few books because I I don't know. I just had a hard time as a kid reading and that was that was like a, a breakthrough for me. The other game, which was not a breakthrough, it was just a lot of fun, was Super Smash Brothers, which I, I remember playing a lot for N64, a lot for GameCube. In fact, I like went to a tournament in high school or something like that. Anyway, so nice. And Super Smash Bros. Uh, is just 
a Nintendo mashup of a bunch of different Nintendo characters that basically just brawl. They just get in this arena and fight. And so you might have somebody, you might have a Pokemon like Jigglypuff or Pikachu fighting it out against Link who has a sword and shield or Mario who's throwing fireballs or Yoshi then who can eat somebody and lay them in an egg. And it (laughs) it sounds funky and it is funky, but they are just so much fun. Like we played that together a ton and so kids. much yoshi was always my guy i was always best with yoshi well and i played like a race car driver from from <laughs> you know like it's it's That's just true. funny captain mix, falcon right? from I was captain falcon so <laughs> it is funny that all of us kids kind of gravitated toward different characters and we were all good with them too like nolan was always really good as mario and i was not and like shannon you were good as jigglypuff and Kristen was always really good as pikachu and and I was always good with Yoshi. And like I remember we would switch characters sometimes and we were like terrible. Yeah. So I don't yes. know how that happened, but we just gravitated towards something and became really good at it. See, but Sean didn't though. Sean eventually got to the point he could beat us all with any character. Well, that's because Sean was the best at that game. It's, yeah, Sean I just played wins. it a lot. I played it a lot. And so yeah, and so it was like I wanted even challenge, so I'd switch to different characters. My favorite little side story of this one is I remember later, I think it was on the Wii, it was the first time that Nintendo allowed a Super Smash Bros. to be online playable. And Shannon was playing with like some <laughs> some boy from high school or something. And he was like, oh, be so-and-so. And, you know, who everybody like was really bad at. I think it was Snake or something like yes. that. Oh, and I love playing as Snake in like the later ones. And so I came in and, you know being online this boy thought it was shannon and i just i just whipped him i just <laughs> that's great just destroyed him and anyway i don't know why yeah, that's it pretty good it stuck with me but i was proud even though i mean yeah anyway that's just great meeting up some random little high schooler See, and even after that he still played online with me so like he didn't get too offended i guess <laughs> oh good and then the last category i actually want to talk about is lego i think at different points uh, for each of us, uh, whether people have liked Lego more or less, there have been different sets that I think have just been a lot of fun. And for me, I ended up gravitating a lot towards the Technic Lego sets. And so the Technic sets are the ones that generally have gears and um, sometimes motors. In fact, one of my favorite sets was a submarine that had a pneumatic pump in it that you could actually like turn and it would open and grab things or something like that. And that's one that stuck with me to this day. I still really love Technic Lego sets or just the larger, more intricate Lego sets. There's something just soothing about building it. I, I don't know. It's just going through the instructions. It's not like I'm one that invents these crazy things from just piles of bricks. I just, it's really fun just going through the instructions and building something and seeing how it goes together. I just, I think is a lot of fun, which maybe goes back to some fancy word Shannon said in our class subject episodes about kinesthetic yeah that thing and so (laughs) anyway maybe it's just supporting that but lego is one that i feel like has always been part of of gifts for as long as i can remember yeah for sure and i actually i i have a few of these kind of similar topics in my list too but yeah i i had a couple lego sets that really stood out to me but yeah we always had legos growing up we always like every every Christmas, somebody got at least one Lego yeah. set was given to us kids. Yeah. And over time, they kind of, as kids especially, I, mom told me, 
I should tell the story about destroying Aaron's Lego set. And then I was like, nah, I'm not going to tell that. But anyway, I destroyed one that he had spent a lot of time on. So they always devolved eventually back into like this pile. And so we had those buckets, you know, that you get like the holiday popcorn in. I think we had like three of those buckets that were just full. And they probably all came from sets that we had built at some point. Yeah, for sure. Well, the the one that got destroyed is not one of the ones I was going to talk about, but I wanted to talk about my, my favorite Lego sets were almost always the space and like the airplane, like the flying sets and whatever, which I guess is like real life. I'm still fascinated with airplanes and with space <laughs> and stuff. So just that was where I went with Legos. And and like I said, we we went through we went through so many different kinds of Lego sets every year, but the the one that stood out to me and I know it's still in mom and dad's basement. I know exactly where it is, even though it's covered in dust, is the Spireus Robo Guardian. So the Spireus group, it was in the Lego space, there were like the different factions. There was the Space Police, and there was like the Blacktron, and there were the Spireus. It was all these different like groups or whatever. Um, and Spireus was basically these like spies and thieves, and they were they were a lot of them were robots. They made them from 1994 to 1996, so I had to have been about that age when I got one. But this Robo Guardian was like, uh, it was like a big, tall robot. When I say big and tall, it was like probably like a foot tall. But you know, when you're a kid, this, this was a huge Lego set, and it was like in like sections. Like there was the bottom section that had wheels on it, and the middle section where there was like a little spaceship that would come out and could fly around that had a little robot that would pilot it, and then in the top it was like a cockpit and. You could actually take the three sections apart and like reconnect them in different ways. But I just remember that being like one of my very most favorite sets. And I don't know, I don't know what it was about that one, because we had other ones. They had like their base and they had all this different all these different sets, but it was this one that just for whatever reason, I've always remembered it. And it's always been like one of my favorites that I go back to. I'll post a picture on the on uh, Instagram so everyone can see. But yeah, the Spireus ones were awesome. This is so fun because I'm Googling Spireus right now, and I, I never knew that's what they were called. But just Googling Spireus Lego, I see a whole bunch of things that I recognize. So this is, <laughs> that's really fun. Yeah, we had we had a few of them. And then the other set that was one of my favorites when I was a kid was the International Jetport. Um, and still today with Lego, they they have the different segments of like, you know, there's like Pirate Lego, and there's, of course, now there's like Star Wars Lego and Harry Potter Lego and stuff. But that hadn't happened way back when we were kids. Um, <laughs> <coughs> I pretended to be old and it made me cough. This is bad. Uh, <coughs> anyway, I this, this airport set was part of the Lego City, which is, you know, they still do that sort of thing. But this airport set was so cool. It had like the terminal with like a, a you know, the you put stickers on the pieces, whatever. And the, the sticker had like the like the boarding announcements and like the flights and stuff. There was like a check-in gate with a bunch of baggage and a little car that had the baggage in it. And then it had like a control tower, like a big tall control tower with a little dude that sat in the top. And then there was like a long runway. It had a bunch of those base plates and there was a passenger jet and there was also a helicopter. And I spent, first off, it was a big set. Like it took me a long time to build. It came out in 1990. So I had to have been about that age. Uh, you know, couldn't have been more than seven or eight when I got this set. And it was big. Like, it took me a long time to build. But I spent so much time just playing with, more than anything, the jet, the plane that, that came with it. And I, like I said, I'm still today just, I love jets. Anything flies over, I'm looking up to see what it is because I just love airplanes. But I, I played with that set so much. And I know, like you said, Sean, the pieces of that, I'm sure, are still 
in a bucket somewhere in our parents' basement. <laughs> I'm sure oh, if we went by looked, this point, pieces of that may be across multiple states. That's tr- that's probably <laughs> true. Actually, that's probably true. Uh, so we always got Legos for Christmas. The other thing that, at least for me, and I know Sean for a while, you did too. That we it seemed like every Christmas or birthday there was a remote control car that was that was being given. Yes, and. I love I loved my remote control cars and there were two that kind of stood out to me and you guys this really makes me feel old but I was looking up to try and remember the names of these and I found them on the internet and both of these are all everywhere I find them they say vintage Tyco RC car and I'm like <laughs> no those are my favorite and they're vintage now anyway one of them was called the hijacker and that I think that's probably my favorite remote control car I've ever had. We had we had quite a few over the years between me and you, Sean. But the hijacker was this amazing car. And I pulled up the the commercial on YouTube. So check this out. This is this is some uh, good old 1991 eight-year-old Aaron glory days here. Take take a listen to this. Turbo speed for the secret hijacker. The first RC that's two cars in one. A fired-up sports car that you transform into a ground-pounding machine by radio control. Goes from road to <laughs> off-road in a flash with rechargeable 9.6 feet power. Kick in the turbo, and it's practically unstoppable. Hijacker. It's two cars in one. Battery pack required. Sold separately. Hijacker. New from Tyco. That's oh, awesome. So this car was my favorite. It was it it's shaped and kind of loosely based on like a Lamborghini. I'm sure it was kind of modeled after like a Countach or a Diablos, like a, you know, 90s, 80s, 90s Lamborghini. And it had these knobby tires, but the thing that was cool about it, like the commercial so wonderfully illustrated, is that in in its normal mode it was like low to the ground like like a sports car, but then there was a button you pressed on the remote that it would like jack up really tall. It had these big, big, tall springs in it, uh, the shock absorbers in it. And so it would jump, like pop up really tall. And then you could like drive it off road. And that oh, car I remember was that now. amazing. Yeah. I loved that car so much. And I remember uh, taking it with me when we would go like to, to Vegas to visit Papa and Grandma because they had uh, like their house where they lived. They I, I don't know how many acres it was or if it was even a full acre, but it was like it was a large area large large uh plot where their house was and you know because it was vegas it was just all like dirt and rocks and stuff and so i would go and race that car until the battery was dead and i'd recharge it and i'd go race it till it was dead and it just it was so much fun like jumping it off of off of like i'd like build dirt jumps and race it around and it was so much fun i loved that car and i i raced raced that car around until i broke it i remember at one point i was like oh this thing's kind of crooked and I looked underneath and I had like broken the shocks off of it because I was jumping it and stuff. And I think we glued it together a couple of times and it, it lasted a while, but that was my favorite of the of the remote control cars. The other one that I really loved, and again, it's popping up as vintage. This one on the internet shows up that it's actually a rare uh, remote control Ooh. car. And it was called, it was also by Tyco. It was called the Firepower. This one came out in 1995. And the thing about this one that was cool, it looked like a little truck with like a like a like a cargo shell or camper shell on the back. And it wasn't particularly fast or like super like off-roading and stuff. It was just this little truck, but the secret was there was a button you pressed on the remote and that back like cargo shell would pop up and it was loaded with these like Nerf style darts and you could shoot them <laughs> with the yes. remote. Like you just press the button and you'd shoot there were like five of them that were loaded in. 
And it was just so much fun. I remember just driving it around the house and like trying to like peek around corners and like shoot dad or shoot mom. Or I'm sure I shot like Kristen and she was like, mom, tell him to stop or whatever. But that was a fun car. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah. I almost, I almost talked about remote control cars because I, yeah, I, you and I did get a lot and I had even tried looking up. I'm amazed you found them because I, the one that comes to mind for me is this, is this little truck that even came with a drill where you would you would remove the wheels and you could put on these big knobby tires or you could have like the street racing tires. Yeah, and I remember that one. You had some cool ones too, Sean. I remember you had one that was like, it had like tank tracks. And then there was one that like the wheels were big and so it could like flip over and still keep going or whatever. Like you had, you had some cool ones too. Yeah, well, now that you're saying that too, I even remember another one that it had these small tires, but then when you got going quickly, they like expanded out really big oh, or something like that. I forgot about that one. That was cool. And yeah. and now that we're talking about this, I remember I think RC cars were popular, but for some reason, instead of just making like a better car, they just made like the crazier cars. Like every year there were yeah. these cars that could yeah, you'd hit a button and it would jump or you would you could land it upside down or you could hit this button and the whole thing would twist or whatever. I I yeah. don't know, but yeah, they just were like, sure a lot of fun. It was like an arms race of remote control car toys. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> well, you mentioned I, it was hard to find uh, that firepower is the one I c- couldn't find. I remembered the hijacker because that was always my favorite. But that was the one when I called mom. I was like, do you remember that remote control car that had like the Nerf darts that popped up? And then she was like searching the house. She's like, it's got to be here somewhere. And I was like, no, mom, I don't <laughs> think it's here anymore. I think when the batteries were dead and the remote control was lost, it probably went away a long time ago. But. Anyway, mom, so you know, it was called the Tyco Firepower from 1995. <laughs> well, and weren't they like we would we would make sure to get the quick charge batteries which were like a quick charge 4 hour or something like yeah, that? Yeah, quick charge was still like yeah, 4 or 5 hours and but I remember my that first one the the hijacker, the original charger it came with, it was like 16 hours to charge that battery. It was crazy. Yeah, so, so that was the that was the thing about them, right? Is that you would I don't know, especially if you were racing it off road, you'd only get twenty minutes out of it, maybe. Yeah, they didn't last that long, and then they took forever to charge. But then, then you had to charge it until the next day. They were so much, <laughs> or fun, or though. just four hours later. Yeah, if you got the quick charge. So. Yeah, I I still find myself looking on Amazon and thinking like I should buy myself a new remote controlled car because I haven't had one. In a long <laughs> I do the time. same thing. Oh, man, I think I have like three of them that have been in my cart for a couple of years. That's awesome. I just look at it and I think that would be so much fun. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with this? And then, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you did. You did buy a remote control car because you. we went sometime over to mom and dad's and we went to the church parking lot by their house and you had some VR remote control car, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. So I did buy one. <laughs> well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it was, I think it was when like Toys R Us was going out of business. They had these a couple RC cars there and and it's not really VR it's it's like it had a camera on it but you put this thing on your head so it's like you're in the driver's seat. Oh, that's cool so, though. Yeah, so I still got that. So I'll have to, I'll have to start pulling that out more, but I just I don't know. You can There's get a new about... car if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're awesome. I love it. There were uh two more I wanted to talk about really quick. I also remember for a while there, we always were getting super soakers. Yeah. And that also, Sean, was like an arms race. It was like every year yes. there was like a bigger, <laughs> crazier super soaker. But I remember the one that I had that came out also in 1990 was called the Super Soaker 100. And I don't know if like 
I don't know if super soakers were new then or if it was like how it worked, but like the number was the gauge of like how big and strong it was. Like I remember we had a super soaker 50 that had like one single like water tank on it. And like the big, like crazy one was like the super soaker 200. And that was like, that was the one the rich kids had, but I had the super soaker (laughs) 100. And if you look up pictures of it, you'll see what I'm talking about. It looks like this big, like, I think it's blue. I'm colorblind, guys. I think it's blue, <laughs> but it has like this big long uh, barrel that you like have to pump it up, like you know, like you're cocking a shotgun or whatever. And then there's a, a big main tank, and then like a little circular extra tank at the back. And to this day, I still don't understand how they worked together or like what the purpose was, aside from just looking really cool. But guys, it looked super cool. (laughs) And I just like, that was one of my favorite. And we had that thing for a long time. It was a super good one. Again, I'm looking them up on eBay and they all say vintage air pressure, super soaker, 100 new old stock, 200 bucks. And I'm like, wow, my (laughs) I know we don't have ours anymore. It broke a long time ago, but that was cool. And Sean, I remember at one point you had a super soaker that was a backpack. Like the backpack was like the water tank. And then you had like, it was like a hose to connect it to like the gun part that you had. And I remember thinking that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, so jealous, even though like I was like older and like past water guns at that point, I think, but I still was like, Oh man, that's cool. Nobody's (laughs) passed a water gun backpack. Oh man. Yeah. So amazing. That's yeah. I I vaguely remember that one though. It's funny how things stick with me because the super soaker I remember is when I got a new one, they had introduced this new technology that was like constant pressure. So you'd pump the whole thing up and then it would actually keep the water at a certain pressure until you ran out rather than the earlier ones where you'd pump it up. And then, like, you would start at high pressure and lose pressure. And so you're, yeah. like, pumping and shooting at the same time. Yeah. But, oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Those those came up. I, I'm glad you talked about them. I almost did when I was talking about Nerf because those are in similar categories for me. <laughs> well, and then the last one I want to talk about, I know we're, we're, we're running long. I don't want to be too long-winded. But the last one I want to talk about is a video game. And I'm going way back, Shannon, to before you existed. <laughs> Actually, oh, wait. So this, Sean, you just, you barely were born at this point. I remember so clearly getting this game for Christmas is RC Pro-Am. It was a racing game for the original Nintendo. It came out in February of 88. And so I'm sure I got it for Christmas that year. It was, uh, it was by the company Rare, which if, you, if they sound familiar, you may have heard of some of their other famous games uh, like Donkey Kong Country, GoldenEye, Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, like they've done a bunch of big games since then. But RC Pro-Am was like their first like hit. I, again, just have been obsessed with cars and planes and everything. So I just loved this racing game. It You were racing remote control cars. And so, you know, it wasn't a racing game like where you're behind the car or even in the driver's seat from like a driver's perspective. It was like a top-down sort of game. So it was as if you were like from a other perspective racing a remote control car around a track. I spent so many hours of my childhood playing this game and trying to beat it. And I finally eventually beat it. And it was a hard game. And I tried to go back and play it now. And it's, it's really hard. Like it was a hard game. But the thing, the thing that is interesting and sticks out to me is I remember so clearly when we were kids on Christmas Eve, Santa would come to our house. Like he would come knock on the door. And, you know, I, I remember being so excited as a kid, like it was Christmas Eve and like, we're maybe we had dinner and we're sitting by the tree and all of a sudden I hear, Oh, 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 from outside and hear jingle bells. And pretty soon here comes Santa in through the front door and he would always come and he would visit us and we'd like sit on his lap and we'd chat with him for a minute. And he always gave us one present that night on Christmas Eve. 
And I remember so clearly that night uh, when Santa came and I was talking with him and he had pulled out RC Pro-Am out of his bag. He had his big, you know, Santa, big red sack and he pulled out RC Pro-Am. And I remember he looked at mom and dad and was like, now the corner of this got a little bit wet. I don't think it's broken, but like you can, and you could see like on the corner of the box or whatever, it was like wet. I, I don't know if it had fallen in the snow or something. And I was like, I instantly was like, I don't care. I don't care. I, I want it. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> and for the entire time, and I'm sure this game is still in our parents' basement, but as long as we owned it, the label on the on the cartridge, the top of it where it like folds over from the top view or whatever, never stuck on. It was always just loose. And the game functioned totally fine. It never, you know, there was no issue with the cartridge itself, but that label was never stuck on right because the box had gotten wet. And I could not have cared less. It was my favorite game, and I was <laughs> so excited to play that game. Anyway, so I, I don't know why, I'll, for whatever reason, that has always stuck in my memory as just a super vivid thing. And so, anyway, I, I had to include that story. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't remember that story. I, I certainly remember you playing it and even probably as an adult, like playing it through a virtual console or something. Um, yeah. And me still saying, man, how do you play this? It's so hard. <laughs> it's really hard. The steering is really hard. Because it's like a remote control car where you're off in a singular point and then you're turning around this course and so yeah yeah it just takes some getting used to for sure yeah exactly i, I don't know i don't know how i just picked that up when i was a kid but uh, i loved that game that was one of my favorites so well that's all i had to talk about so i think that probably is a good spot to wrap up uh this was cool it was fun hearing you guys's uh opinions of some of your favorite games and for some of your favorite toys and and stuff because I know we had a lot of overlap. Like, obviously, we played a lot of video games together. But, yeah, there's there was some overlap and some unique stuff. And, and of course, you know, we're going going way back in time to the vintage stuff. It's real <laughs> collector's right. items now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well. Well, as we're wrapping it up, uh, as usual, we want to hear what you think as, as our, our wonderful listeners. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate having you along, and we always appreciate your input. Uh, we would love to hear what your favorite toys were from when you were growing up. Send us an email at thefavoritshow at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram at thefavoritshowpodcast. Uh, let us know what your favorites are. Uh, and if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if if you like the show, maybe tell a friend about it. We don't pay to advertise the show. We're, we're just doing it because we enjoy it. But, you know, if, you're in, if you enjoy listening to it, share it with some friends. We'd love to have more people uh, come along and, and join us for this. We'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And uh, if you don't feel like giving us a five-star rating, just just wait for it. And then pretty soon it'll be like the cool vintage collector thing to do. Like, oh, yeah, all the cool <laughs> kids, they give five stars. So oh, I think that'll do it. Uh, until next time, my name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Cue the music. Loki meow just now. No, I didn't. I missed okay, it. Okay, good. He came and stood right outside the door and just screamed. <laughs>